0: I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, And on this edition of the show, we're going to be looking ahead to Arsenal's trip to Lisbon, where they will face Sporting Club, the Portugal in the UEFA Europa League. It's the first leg of our clash, and we're hoping, obviously, to come back to London uh, with a positive result and, uh, and seal progression through to the next round. I know the kind of Europa League has taken a little bit of a backseat of late when it comes to Arsenal fans and... And their kind of aspirations and hopes and ambitions for this season. But that is because we're in a league position that I don't think anybody thought we would be in come this point in the season. The Europa League, to me personally, still means a lot. But as I've said, where we are in the league, uh, means that we do have to have a slightly different outlook. And I think you'll understand where I'm coming from when I share with you guys uh, the team that I would like to see Mikel Arteta pick. Lots to get into on today's show. Uh, we're going to be talking Sporting versus Arsenal. We're going to be talking Gabi Jesus. He has risen at Jesus, getting back before Easter. Doesn't really go with the narrative, does it? But he is in full training, as was reported by a number of people in attendance at London Colney earlier on today. The pictures are out. There's a video clip going around of him as well. And it doesn't look like those involved in the training session have been Instructed to go easy on the Brazilian, which can only be a good sign, right? I hope. Uh, We'll get into all of that. We'll be talking about the club interested in Mikel Arteta, according to reports, one of European football's giants, European football royalty, you could call them, have their sights, according to some reports, set on Arsenal's Spanish boss. We'll get into all of that on this edition of the show. If I could just ask before we dive into the thick of it, if you could please leave a like. If you're watching us on YouTube, subscribe to the channel if you're brand spanking you. If you are listening to us on audio, then please do leave us a review as well. We're really close to getting to that 100 reviews. I think we're two or three away, something like that. Uh, so that would be very, very much appreciated if you could help us uh, in our quest to achieve that. Also, uh, a big thank you uh, to everybody that listens. But in particular, on this episode, I want to say a big thank you to those that listen via the audio platforms because we moved into the top 30 UK podcasts uh, of our category again yesterday, which is, um, which is really cool. We've never gone above 25. That is our absolute um, sort of ceiling at the moment. So I'd love to break that ceiling at some point. But I mean, when you think about what a saturated market this is, how many clubs there are out there, how many people consume podcasts in the UK and um And what a big deal football podcasts are here to be in the top 30 is an unbelievable achievement. And I'm so, so proud of it. And obviously, that is all thanks to you guys uh, for your love and support of the show. Right, let's do this then. Let's uh, look into Sporting uh, Club de Portugal, Arsenal's uh, opponents uh, tomorrow evening, also known as um, Sporting Lisbon to a lot of people. but That's not actually their name. They're Sporting Club de Portugal and they are based in Lisbon. Um Ruben Amorim is the manager. He's a coach that I think has, has gauged the interest of a lot of clubs across Europe over the last sort of 12, 18 months. People have been looking at Ruben Amorim as someone who can go on to a higher level, as someone who can uh, step up to one of the very, very big clubs of European football. Now, Sporting are a huge club in their own right, but I'm talking about the very elite. There are uh, suggestions that Ruben Amorim one day, or there were suggestions that Ruben Amorim one day could go on to take on one of those roles. But over the last few months, I think things have just leveled out a little bit at Sporting Lisbon, and I think that is largely due to them losing key players. Uh, you know, they're not financially strong enough to be able to fend off all the interest that comes their way. Uh, they're notorious for producing good players, along with the likes of Benfica. It is very much. Something that happens in the Portuguese league. They bring talent through themselves, but they also bring talent across from South America, develop them, and then often sell those players on for big amounts of money. And it makes it very difficult because that is their operating model to be able to keep hold of any real sort of mercurial talent for any period of time. So, sporting in the league at the moment sit in fourth place now. When you think about the Portuguese league, I don't know about you, I think Benfica, Porto and Sporting, I think of those three as the clubs that should be competing right at the top table. Braga are in that now, uh, in that category. Uh, They're in that mix. Um, And obviously that has has made it difficult for the likes of uh, Sporting and the others around them to really, uh, you know, keep pace. But yeah, Sporting sit in fourth at the moment. Uh, they are on 47 points. They've won 15 of their 23 games so far. They've drawn just twice and they've lost six times. Uh, they are the lowest scorers uh, in the top four in Portugal. Uh, so as it stands at the moment, they're, n- they're not on course either to qualify for the Champions League. Only the top three in the Portuguese Primeira Liga get into uh, the top four. And at the moment, they're narrowly missing out on that uh, because Braga, are five points ahead of them in third place so not the best season for sporting but obviously they're in Europe obviously they were in the Champions League and they dropped out uh, they were in Tottenham's group if you remember and they got four points off of Tottenham so these guys are no mugs the Tottenham mugs maybe you could argue that um put the tribalism to one side though Uh, They played Premier League opposition already this season, twice in the group stages of the Champions League, and they managed to take four points from Spurs. They beat them uh, 2-0 at the Jose uh, Alvalade Stadium, which is where, of course, we'll be meeting them tomorrow. And they managed a 1-1 draw at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. They do have uh, some injuries. Uh, Manuel, uh, uh, I beg your pardon, suspensions uh, as well are a problem for Sporting. Uh, going into this, there is a few injuries and and there's a key suspension. Manuel Ugarte uh, won't be available uh, due to suspension because he picked up um, a card in the uh, previous round where they beat Micheland by five goals to one. So Sporting finished third in their Champions League group, dropped into the Europa League, had to play in the playoff round. Like Manchester United, were drawn against Micheland, beat them very very comfortably. I think it was a one-one draw in the first leg, but then they went on to win four nil away from home so you know notoriously you look at some of these European clubs and you say well at home they're very difficult to beat intimidating atmosphere but they're not traditionally very good travelers now I'm not saying that sporting are necessarily good travelers in terms of their overall European record but they have just gone and won four nil away from home uh, in the previous round now you would argue that and are nowhere near the level of Arsenal and I agree with that But it still takes something, doesn't it, to go away from home in European competition and win so comfortably. These guys are no monks, right? They're a good side. They're a good footballing side. And they're a side that if we're not at our best and if we fall asleep against, they can punish us. So this is not an easy tie. I've seen some Arsenal fans who are obviously, um, you know, primarily focused on the Premier League. And I get that and I understand that. I would rather win the Premier League, too. But the point I'm going to get to here is that you can't just rip the team up, throw 11 different names onto the piece of paper, expect them to click and expect them to be good enough to go away from home against a side of this calibre and get uh, the result that they want, right? So ultimately, what I am saying here is that I think we need to find a little bit of balance in our team selection. I think that we've got some problems. Leandro Trossard isn't going to be available, we don't think. Eddie Nketiah hasn't trained today at the time of recording, uh, which suggests that he remains sidelined. Kieran Tierney hasn't trained today either. So Arsenal are without some options, which probably limits Mikel Arteta's options in terms of being able to rotate the team. And in a weird, weird way, I think that's probably a good thing. I know we've got Fulham away on Sunday, and that takes precedent. That is the priority. But if you want to win the Europa League, if you want to stay in this competition, and if you want to maintain the momentum that Mikel Arteta is so big on, then you cannot just go, yep, throw in all the reserves here. Because the Jose Alvalade is not the place to go and do that. You will get beat. Tottenham went and got beat. You will get found out if you you don't go there um, taking the game as seriously as you should. So we'll come on to the team that I would select in a little bit. Um, I mentioned, obviously, that they're 15 points behind Benfica, who are sitting pretty at the top of the Portuguese Primeira Liga, but very often uh, for clubs, Europe can be a bit of a respite. So yes, their league form will give you an idea of where they're at this season and what their level is, but it isn't the be-all and end-all. Look at Chelsea. Look at Chelsea yesterday. They came up against the Dortmund side. they lost the first leg. Chelsea have been in dire straits in terms of their Premier League performances, but they managed to pull out maybe their best performance of the season and a huge result. Europe can sometimes be a positive distraction for the sides that are struggling. And I'm not going to go as far as saying sporting are struggling. I expect sporting at minimum to be in the top three. Uh, normally, and they're just slightly outside of that, but they are not in a position that is irretrievable at this stage. So let's see. Um, players to watch as far as sporting are concerned. Um, Pedro Gonsalves, uh the left winger, 16 goals and eight assists across all competitions this season. So that's 24 direct goal contributions. That's a pretty impressive return. Paulinho, the centre forward, he's got 12 goals and nine assists. So he's got 21 direct goal contributions. Marcus Edwards, the former Spurs lad, who obviously played incredibly well against Spurs in the Champions League and made all of the headlines. He has got 10 goals and 10 assists. So 20 direct goal contributions from him. So it's very clear, doing a little bit of research, that Sporting's front three, are where it's at that's the danger for us and so we've got to be switched on defensively and that's why I feel uneasy about making wholesale changes defensively although I think we will it's why I feel uneasy about this away trip they are a side that can hurt us they are a side that if we're not at a good level can punish us because it's all good looking at teams that you know flattered to deceive teams that have lots of possession but don't really create anything from it there are a lot of teams out there that look good on the eye but don't have that potency don't have that ability to put games to bed don't have that ability to find the back of the net remember when brighton were called XGFC under Graham and potter that's the type of team i'm talking about all the build-up play is beautiful but once they get into the final third they just hit a bit of a brick wall and when you come up against teams like that toothless teams, should we put it that way you can get away with not being at your brilliant best because the likelihood of them punishing you is not very high but just based on those statistics that i've read out to you with regards to the front three that i expect sporting to go with uh tomorrow night it doesn't get much more potent than that it doesn't get much more clinical than that to have three forwards who have all had or provided uh more than 20 direct goal contributions is special. You know, that says a lot about about how sporting play. It says a lot about how um, you know, they, they get the best out of those players and how they, when they're able to have possession, can build up in a way that benefits these three guys. So Pedro Gonzalez, Paulinho, and Marcus Edwards are the players to watch. Add to the equation, Trincao, who spent a bit of time at Wolverhampton Wanderers on loan from Barcelona. I thought he looked pretty good at Wolves. I was surprised that he didn't stay there for that little bit longer. But he's another player that they have to call upon as well. So we've got to be careful of him too. But yeah, I mean, how are you guys feeling about this one? Let me know in the chat, how are you feeling about this whole Premier League versus Europa League balance? Because I sat down and I wrote out the team that I would like to see Arsenal pick. And I'm going to share that with you in a few minutes time. But I found it quite difficult. I found myself torn. I found myself putting names on there that You know, in a Carabao Cup game, I'd have absolutely no problem with playing. But names also that I look at and I think, are you good enough, though, for a trip to Lisbon? Are you somebody I can trust in and somebody I can rely upon? Now, football in 2023 is very much a squad game. And Mikel is going to have to trust in the squad if he's going to find that balance between now and the end of the season. But I keep coming back to something that Mikel said a little while ago with regards to momentum and i keep going back to the way that we approached the europa league group stage which was very much to kind of half rotate and then rotate the other half in the following game we got the results that we needed to win the group in the end but it wasn't pretty some of the football was dull it was dire you could see that there were players out on the field that clearly don't play with one another week in week out in match situations that is and there was a bit of a lack of understanding and a lack of cohesion as a result of that. So I've taken that all into consideration here, and I've tried uh, to come up with a team that I think is best, but I think this is still going to be um, a really, really difficult game. And I think it's still one of those games where he's going to have to have your parties on the bench, you know, your, uh, you know, the players that you absolutely don't want to see play, your parties, your sackers, those guys, your Odegaards, you could argue, those guys need to be there and they need to be available. Um, to call upon in the event that this tie just starts to get away from us. Because Mikel Arteta will want to win this competition. He'll want to go as far as he possibly can in it. Um, And I think, yes, in an ideal world, he'll want to give a lot of these players uh, the opportunity to have a rest, to have a breather ahead of a big, big game against Fulham. I think we've seen from Man United of late, you know, a team that have been involved in multiple competitions. We saw them at Anfield just completely capitulate and fall apart. I'm not saying it was solely down to fatigue, but I think there was an element of that, certainly, in the way that that game developed and the way it ultimately finished. So I've looked at that and I now feel even more strongly about the fact that we just can't go to Fulham, not at 100%. Fulham are flying in the Premier League. They're in an excellent run of form. Brentford game the other night aside, look at where they are, look at how they're performing, um, look at the problems that they cause teams. You can't go there and be under par. You have to be absolutely at it. So, yeah, um, this is the team that I've gone with. And I'll come over to the comments in just a second and get some of your thoughts uh, on this as well. But I've thought long and hard about this. And and this is the team that I want to see Mikel Arteta name. So I would go with Matt Turner in goal. Uh, I think Matt Turner has looked fine when he's played for Arsenal this season. I think clearly he's not as comfortable with the ball at his feet and doesn't distribute as well as Aaron Ramsdale does. Um, But at the same time, uh, I think he's made some excellent saves when given the opportunity. And I think he deserves to play. And obviously, with Ramsdale's importance and the fact that in terms of shot stopping, the level with Matt Turner isn't massively off. I'm absolutely fine with him getting his opportunity. Now, in my defense, I've included, not in my defense, as in I'm defending myself, in the defense I've named, I've included Kieran Tierney because I don't know categorically that he is unavailable. Now, sometimes we hear of players picking up a bit of a knock in the week and being advised or allowed to skip a training session in the lead up to the game just to make sure that they're that little bit more rested and are ready to go when that big fixture comes uh, around. But I am well aware that Kieran Tierney didn't train today. So I'll give you my defence here. If Kieran Tierney is available, so if he is, it will be him at left back. I'd go with Holding and Saliba at centre back, and I'd go with Tommy Asu at right back. Now there was a massive temptation on my part to throw uh, Jakub Kivio in there. Um, you know, we paid a lot of money for this kid. Surely he's good enough or can be trusted enough to come into the side in a game like this. But I've not seen him play in an Arsenal shirt, so. It's hard for me to say, yeah, chuck him in. I don't rate Rob Holding. I don't think Rob Holding is someone that we should hold on to really beyond this season. But I think when I look at the options and the fact that I really feel that Gabriel needs a bit of a breather because of his importance of late, I'm okay with Holding starting in this one. Um, Just seeing from some of you guys in the chat that Kieran Tierney has been reported as ill rather than injured. Again, that plays into what I've said that he might be a little bit under the weather. He may have been told you can skip training today with a view to feeling better so that you are available for this game. So we don't know that Kieran Tierney is 100% out. We just know uh, that he obviously didn't take part in training. So if he is fit, if he is ready, he plays at left back for me. So my back four, Tierney, Holding, Saliba and Tomiyasu. Lots of you in the chat saying, what about Kivior? Listen, if I were Mikel Arteta, and I've watched Jakob Kivior in training for the last few weeks and I've been impressed, then I would throw him in. But how can I sit here and say that Jakub Kivior should start the game if I have no idea what his level's like? You know, so if, if Mikel feels that he is ready, by all means, chuck him in. But I couldn't sit here and make a case for Kivi or overholding at this moment in time, even though I don't particularly rate holding, just because I haven't even seen a glimpse of him yet in an Arsenal shirt. Moving into uh, the midfield, uh, I've gone with Jorginho at the base of the midfield. I think we've all come to realise that as good as he's been since coming in, he just isn't Thomas Partey. Thomas Partey has been on a completely different level. He's been fantastic. Um, he's been excellent. And, um, and you know, Jorginho is just not the same player. I'm interested to see, um, you know, how he'll fare in Europe. I think the European stage is one that's far better suited to Jorginho. So I expect him um, to sit, uh, of course, uh, at the uh, the base of the midfield tomorrow. Uh, my other two uh, midfielders are Granit Xhaka, because obviously he didn't start the game uh, against Bournemouth at the weekend. He got his breather. And I think, with without Thomas Partey in midfield, I think you need Granite Xhaka even more because I think we become weak physically if you take uh, Partey out and you don't have Xhaka in there. So for me, Xhaka uh, plays in midfield alongside Fabio Vieira as well. Again, remember, this is my team, not the team that I think Mikel's going to pick necessarily. I've gone with Smith, Rowe, and Nelson on the flanks. Now, in my eyes, Nelson is a better left winger than he is a right winger. And I would prefer to see him play from the left. But because of the fact that Emil Smith-Rowe is right-footed and likes to come in off that flank, I'm going to guess that Mikel is going to go the other way. I'm going to guess um, that Mikel would stick if Emil Smith-Rowe did play in that front three out on the left uh, rather than on the right. And he would be more happy to accommodate Nelson moving than the other way around. And my centre-forward, purely because like, I don't want to play this kid, I want to wrap him up in cotton wool, but purely because of the fact that Leandro Trossard's unavailable and it looks like Eddie Nketiah is too, I'm going with Martinelli up front to start the game. So that's my team. Let me run you through it one more time for those listening on audio. Matt Turner in goal, Tomiassu, Saliba, Holding and Tierney across the back line, Jorginho, Jacca, and Vieira as the midfield trio, with Smith Rowe on the left, Nelson on the right, and Martinelli through the middle. Um, again, people asking the question in the chat: Why have I left? Um, why have I left Jakub Kivior out? Um, I, I, I don't know if he's ready for this. I, I I couldn't possibly tell you because I've seen nothing of him in an Arsenal shirt. So it's difficult, isn't it? And I think that the fact that he hasn't even come on. But I don't know. Actually, let me retract that because he wouldn't come on in finally, but you don't change your centre-halves in finally balanced games. I get that. But yeah, I I think that Mikel will probably favour holding if it's one or the other. And I think based on the fact that I kind of know what we're going to get with holding, which isn't great, but it's okay. I think that's probably what he's going to go with, um, in my opinion. But yeah, uh, let, you know, we're going to have to wait and see. Uh, lots of you uh, sort of showing or, or commenting with regards to Kieran Tierney, um, what the situation is there. If Kieran Tierney is unavailable, uh, I'm not sure if he's travelled or not. I know some of you are saying uh, that he has. Some of you are saying that he hasn't. I'm not sure at the time of recording if Kieran travelled 100% either way. But if Kieran Tierney is unavailable, then Tomiasu goes in at left back for me. And then that means Ben White, uh, who again only played forty-five minutes at the weekend, has to come in and play it right back. And that might just give us that little bit more stability defensively, uh, given that I'm talking about the potential of Rob Holding coming in there as well. So that's the team. Um, that's the team uh, I'm going to go with. Um, but yeah, just quickly as well on on Kivior, um, he has played for the under twenty ones. So that's the only action. Uh, that anybody of an Arsenal persuasion really would have seen him in uh, since he joined the club. I don't really know how that went. Um, There wasn't really a lot of information. I saw, as Sko points out in the chat, I saw a, a reel going around, kind of like a highlight package of his performance, but it all just looked very simple. And obviously at that level, it's very, very different. So very difficult to tell. Listen, if Mikel backs him, thinks he's good enough thinks he's ready then fine throw him in in place of Rob Holding he's very much the future of Arsenal Rob Holding in my opinion isn't but if it was up to me I'd go with Holding on this occasion just because maybe Kivio needs a little bit more time uh, to get to grips with things this is not the game that you want to throw him in Um, a a difficult away trip to sporting Lisbon um, in a knockout tie I'm just not sure that that's the game that should be your first game anyway Right. Let's take it on then. Uh, let's get some of your predictions in the chat. In terms of my predictions, uh, I'm going to go for a 1-1. I think that Sporting will score. I think we've looked vulnerable defensively of late with our best back four. And so if I'm talking about changing the back four quite significantly and shaking it up, then I don't expect us to be any stronger. Um, I think Sporting, as I've mentioned, have got so much talent um, at their disposal, particularly in those forward areas. I think they're bound to cause us some problems. I think that we will score though as well. I think we've got enough talent on the pitch. I think we're going to have enough talent on the bench to call upon as well. Away goals are not a thing anymore, which obviously changes the need or, or changes the level of need to go out and score a goal in Lisbon, clearly. But, um, yeah, I, I still fancy our chances of hitting the back of the net. I think whilst we've dropped off a little bit defensively of late, we've seemed to have found our mojo again in the attacking sense. And could there be a place in the squad for Gabriel Jesus. I mean, what a move uh, or, or what what a boost that would be. Now, I have said for a while that I think he's much closer than Arsenal are letting on. And the fact that he was in full training today suggests that. But is he close enough to be under consideration for a place on the bench? I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, I don't think so. Um, OK, um, let's go over to the chat. Let's see what you guys are saying uh, on this. Um, uh, Jamie B uh, went back and watched the Bournemouth game last night. He said the standout performances for me were Nelson, Saliba, Gabriel. Tommy started a bit shy, but he really stepped up later in the half. Partey was imperious. Um, What else have we got? Uh, Tom says, with a weakened midfield, uh, shouldn't we play Zinchenko as a left back for the added creativity? It's a tad weak up front, too, but it's tough with the current injuries. Saka from the bench, I guess. It's hard, isn't it, Tom? Because, you know, Mikel will want to get through this with a, a positive outcome, or at least an outcome that he'll feel he can overturn in the second leg by using the minimum number of resources as far as his key players are concerned. Um, you know, I said that we we need to have those key players on the bench in case things start to turn sour, and and we need to have that ability to be able to turn that around. Would I? Zinchenko's another one, though, who's had injury problems this season. And I don't think I would risk him if I really don't have to. Um, I agree with you, though, that there is a lack of creativity. I think there just is anyway, uh, when we're without Martin Odegaard, if I'm being honest with you. And I think Fabio Vieira needs to step up a little bit more in that sense. And I kind of hoped he'd do that against Bournemouth. I thought it was OK against Bournemouth, but it didn't really hit the heights out of, I hoped, we will be a little bit more functional with a team like the one I've spoken about than we would be normally. Um, we'll be less creative, clearly, but we'll just have to slightly adapt the way we play. And I know that no manager really wants that. They want their philosophy and ideology to be carried out every time their team go out on the pitch. But, you know, you you just want to get through. Um, you just want to get through the game with a result that keeps you in the tie or puts you in a position uh, from which you're confident you can go through in the second leg. Uh, Christopher uh, says three nil Arsenal as a sporting fan uh, without our best midfielder due to suspension. We haven't got a good backup. Fair enough. Um, it's interesting because you're not the first sporting fan I've spoken to today. I've spoken to another friend of mine um, who said a similar thing that sporting are not what they, what they seemed like they were becoming at the start of the season that they, Uh, threatened to be uh, as the campaign went on. And so Arsenal should be okay. But obviously, when you think about the number of changes I expect Arsenal to make, it does mean that we're going to be a bit disjointed and it does mean that we're going to be below our usual level. Uh, Nachi Sharma says, What are you on about, Harry? He used to play Serie A and started at the World Cup. If not now, when does Kivior start? Go back to when Eric Ten Hag signed Casemiro for Manchester United. He brought him into the club. Casemiro, Brazilian international, multiple Champions League winner, uh, La Liga winner with the biggest, greatest football club on the planet. But when he first came in, it took him a bit of time to adapt and it took time for Eric Ten Hag to go, yes. I now trust you to play in my system and in my team. And I remember at the time, lots of us were sitting back going, Why on earth have Man United just spent 60 odd million on Casemiro? Was this actually Eric Ten Hag signing? Because he doesn't seem to want to use him. Just because you've played at a high level before, it doesn't mean that you slot into a team instantly. And that was an example of someone needing a bit of time to adapt who's a seasoned pro who's done it all and is at a much further stage in his career. Jakub Kivior is still a very young defender. He's played in a very different league. And I just don't think that the time to throw Jakub Kivior in is away from home against Sporting in a knockout tie. Now, if Mikel Arteta feels otherwise, I'll also trust that because he sees him on the training ground day in, day out. His people would have carried out extensive research on the player, before they went to Spezia and signed him. But for me, it's very difficult to say, yeah, go on, throw Jakub Kivior in now without seeing seeing him even for a few minutes in an Arsenal shirt to kind of gauge an understanding of what he's like. I mean, who does he play alongside? He's left-footed, isn't he? So he probably wouldn't fit with Gabriel. So if Arteta goes with Gabriel, then that kind of makes it difficult to put Kivior in. So it kind of has to be with Saliba or nothing. But will Saliba even play? We just don't know, mate. It's very, very difficult. Um, Very, very difficult to predict. Uh, What else have we got? Uh, Dez, always very happy in in our chat box, is uh, is old Dez. He says, I feel sorry for the real fans traveling to Lisbon and seeing that starting 11 you've put out, Harry, as, to be honest, as taking the piss. I don't think there's a single Arsenal fan that booked their trip to Lisbon thinking that Mikel Arteta was going to pick his strongest possible 11 because of where we are in the Premier League. People know that. People who are willing to travel to Lisbon and, as you put it, are real fans will understand that the chances of Mikel naming the strongest 11 at his disposal are very small. So, I don't think they see it like that, and I don't understand why you see it like that. Because I'm pretty sure you're not going. I'm pretty sure you'll just be sitting uh, on YouTube uh, having a moan in everybody's um, in everybody's chat box. Um, but yeah, uh, what else have we got? Um, Thab says in that team you made, I'd put Vieira right, Reese left, and ESR as the as the right eight. And Mill Smith and Vieira should have enough dynamism between each other. And Defo Kivy overholding, he has been playing in Serie A. So a lot of people um, believe that Jakub Kivyol should start, and that's fine. I just, I'm just i not sure that I would take that risk, but that's me. That's why I'm giving you the team that I would pick, not the team necessarily that Mikel's going to pick. Uh, Jamie B says, what you got to notice is the competition Kivyol provides. You can see how good he is by Gabriel's improvements. He's been playing better to keep his place. Um... Bad boy, again, going back to Kivior. So Mickey Mouse, European football is the best place for him to play. Harry, uh, whatever. Um, Let's see what you got. Uh, Uh, Jacob says you rarely uh, see centre-backs get subbed off. So when will he start? Maybe he won't start between now and the end of the season. Um, Maybe he was one brought in uh, for the future. Maybe he was one that we, uh, managed to get at a good price at that point, uh, with him, with a view to him coming in, settling in, um, understanding his surroundings, growing with the team and, and being one for the future. I, the reason I feel that this was a signing for the future is because when I made a list of what we needed, um, in January or what I thought we needed, and I think most people will agree with this, a centre-back was nowhere near the top of that list. When you think about the fact that Tomiyasu is a centre-back by trade, which provides us more cover, that Holding is a centre-back, and whatever you think about him, obviously Arsenal have kept him around, that Ben White by trade is a centre-back as well. You know, and, and the fact that Kieran Tini could probably plug in as a centre-back if you really needed him to, if you were desperate, I just didn't think that centre-back was anywhere near the top of our priority list. And because of that, when we went and signed one, I was adamant and, and certain that um, it would be uh, with a view to him being a big player for us in the future, as opposed to the here and now. And I still believe that. So yeah, um, that's where I'm at on that. Uh, ben says, um, it's more that holding shit, Harry. I, Let's just say that Rob Holding is someone that we need to move on from in terms of upping the level of our squad. I'm not going to use that term, but you know what I'm saying. Um, But the sentiment is kind of right. I get where you're coming from. Uh, Let's let's quickly touch on another story uh, that has been doing the rounds today. Uh, Before I say my goodbyes, Uh, remember, if you haven't done so already, please do leave a like on the video. It really, really does help. Uh, I can see there's about 250 of you with us across the multiple platforms live right now. Uh, Just 61 likes on the board. Let's try and get that up to 100 ASAP. Uh, Please do subscribe to the channel as well. And if you're listening on audio, leave us a review. Uh, But some interesting reports have been coming out of Spain of late linking Mikel Arteta uh, with a move to Real Madrid. Now, if Mikel Arteta does go on and win the Premier League with this Arsenal side, with this young Arsenal side that he has built, he will be lauded all over the world. People will look at him as the guy that came in, that awoke that woke up a sleeping giant, that picked a club that was on its knees off of the ground and within three years or so turned them around into title contenders. And if he gets over the line, he'd have achieved something really, really special. So his stock is going to be very, very high. No question about that. And these types of rumours, they're going to be a constant thing. We're going to hear about Mikel Arteta and the interest that some of European football's giants, heavyweights, whatever you want to call them, having him over and over and over again. Mikel Arteta is happy at Arsenal. Mikel Arteta is a competitor. He's someone that is desperate to win. Now, when he was a player, that didn't really come through. I have to say that when I first listened to him speak as a manager, I was blown away because one of the first, I remember sitting there watching it with my dad. And I remember saying to him, where was this Arteta when he was playing in our midfield? Where has this fire come from? Clearly coaching is the thing for him. Um, You know, this is his first ever managerial role, as Johan points out in the chat. And if he can go on and achieve the unthinkable, whether he wins the Premier League or not, the fact that he's made Arsenal title contenders in that period of time, I think stands him in really good stead in terms of how he'll be viewed across the continent. His football's exciting. It's high energy. It's high octane stuff. It's the type of football that all clubs uh, want to sort of put out because for the brand especially, it's fantastic. Um, But... And and so sorry. So when you do a good job, inevitably those rumours are going to come, and inevitably he's going to be linked with other clubs. When Pep Guardiola eventually moves from Man City, there'll be talk about Arteta to Man City. When the next time uh, a, a managerial position at Barcelona becomes available because of his links to the club, he will be linked. The fact that he is a Barcelona boy um, makes me think that the likelihood of him going to Real Madrid is 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 not huge but at the same time Real Madrid are the biggest club in the world and as many people have told us um, in the past the lure of that football club is often very hard to, to resist so yeah um, he's coming and he's, he's built a team he's instilled a mentality a culture and I think all of those things um, I think some of those things are very very difficult to find in that There's a lot of coaches that can do it in the short term, but can't always maintain it. Um, And there are other coaches that will come in and will look to keep the harmony first and foremost because they want immediate success without really having the backing and the trust of the club that they're at to kind of go through the shit period, you know, and really um, sail through the rocky waters in order to come out the other side into the sunshine uh, and where everything is as you want it. You know, he's brave, Mikel Arteta, because he took on a job. Yes, it was a massive job. And as your first job, you'd be mad not to take it. I know it's a difficult one, but at the same time, you get linked with a club like Arsenal, you absolutely want to do it. But it hasn't phased him. You know, he's come in and he's made decisions and he's backed himself and he is revered now around Europe and he will be linked to other jobs. But my personal opinion on it is that this is just hot air at the moment. It doesn't mean an awful lot. Mikel Arteta is loved at Arsenal. He loves Arsenal. Um, He's got a lot more that he will want to achieve at Arsenal. And so I'm not concerned in the short to midterm about his future whatsoever. So yeah. That's where I'm at uh, with that one. But it, it, it was always going to come. It's that type of rumour that is an inevitable one that you're going to see at some point. But I wouldn't have any concerns about it at this moment in time. And listen, Carlo Ancelotti is doing an amazing job at Real Madrid. You know, they're probably going to be in the last eight of the Champions League again. Um, so why would why would his job even be on the line? I know they're a little bit uh, behind Barcelona in the league table, but it's not the kind of lead that you could, you know, that that you could say is impossible to turn around. So Carlo Ancelotti's got credit in the bank at Real Madrid. He's done a fantastic job there. So talk of his replacement, I think, is premature as it is. But yeah, you know, at this moment in time, maybe there will come a point, as Patrick points out in the chat, where the backing of the owners is no longer in line with Mikel Arteta's ambitions as a coach. But at this moment in time, I don't think that's a problem. So we'll see. Um, and Sharon Black says, just shows how blessed we are to have such a fantastic manager. On that note, I am going to leave it there. Um, I did say to you guys that I was going to do a watch-along for the Sporting Lisbon game. I might have a problem doing that. I'm really, really sorry. I know a lot of people are going to be annoyed at me saying that, but I might have a work issue uh, that stops me from doing that. If it does stop me from doing that, I'll update you guys all in the morning. Uh, If it does stop me from doing the actual watch-along, I will be able to bring you a podcast uh, a full podcast within 30 minutes of the full-time whistle. So uh, we'll be able to do a nice bumper live show there. Maybe we can get some of you guys calling in as well if you'd like to. Um, but yeah, I, I, the watch along might be a problem. Hopefully it's not fingers crossed, but just some timings of, of work that I've had come up might make that a little bit difficult. So I will keep you posted on that. If I can do it though, uh, then I absolutely will. Cause it's been a while and they are good fun. So um, yeah, I'll see you tomorrow either way. Um, just let you know exactly what type of show it's going to be. Fingers crossed I can do the watch. I'm trying to move some stuff uh, around, but um, we'll see. These 5.45 kickoffs, not ideal, are they? Anyway, guys, I will see you all tomorrow. Uh, Take care of yourselves. Stay safe. Leave a like on the video. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. It's Sporting versus Arsenal in the Europa League coming up tomorrow. Fingers crossed the Gunners can get a positive result. Uh, Take them back to the Emirates. Do the job and book our place in the next round. I'll see you all soon. Until next time, goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.